We are through three weeks of Legacy League's action in the summer 22 season, and six teams have at least two wins, and one team has already failed to live up to their social media hype of running the table, and so we'll get to that. We're going to break down all the week three action. We got some good looks from the guys who were joined by Tim and Ryan uh, for the week three postgame show, but guys, let's start with the game of the week. I know Ryan was over on court one, so we'll get to him in a second, making his debut on the postgame show, but guys, uh, you guys definitely both heard about it because I kept talking about it during the nine o'clock games, but the halfway crooks fall to the Duyez boys by two. Again, your game of the week. So 67, 65, uh, back and forth game, halfway crooks up by double digits. And again, you know, we talked a lot last week and we can kind of get to Tim. I, I want to focus on this game, but um, you know, we talked last week about teams that we think can compete, you know, our locks of the week. We're going to do that again for week four, as we look ahead at the end of the post game show, but focusing on the halfway crooks and Duyez boys, a game we expected coming in, right to be exactly what we got so again the game of the week I got a couple thumbs up on the court like you know how to pick them it's like yeah been picking them for a while but you know halfway crooks up by double digits we'll get to Ryan you know to kind of give his two cents on how that the halfway crooks were able to do that Duye's boys come storming back and uh, then it was just a back and forth fourth quarter and that's exactly what we're looking for that's the fun stuff in the week so Ryan we'll get over to you halfway crooks again so first half and halftime I mean we're going to get the box score on the screen in a second but um Crooks up 13 at halftime, it looks like, by that box score. And then, again, Duye's boys erase that going into the fourth quarter. But let's start there. How were the halfway crooks, Ryan, able to get that double-digit lead on a, on a Duye's boys team that, like we've talked about, right, have won it all? So they're a tested team, and the crooks were up double digits. How were they able to do it, Ryan? Yeah, so I think uh, the halfway crooks for that first half, they, they were able to knock down a lot of shots, and they um, – that ability and they were able to get to have stops they held Dewey boys to 15 points each quarter and then in that second quarter especially when halfway Cooks scored 25 that that 10 point gap in that second quarter really propelled them to that 13 point lead at half and they could in that momentum was uh was evident going into halftime and then but as we could see in the third quarter Dewey boys uh held the halfway crooks to eight points which is in this league pretty significant along with going 20 scoring 22 themselves. So, I mean, so there, that 10 minute stretch right there, just flipped the game on its head. For sure. And Ryan, you touched on the Duyez boys. Let's talk, you know, talk about the halfway crooks really quick. Like what player, you know, had the biggest impact for them while they were building that lead for the halfway crooks? Yeah, I think definitely Jeff Winchell. Uh, he's that big presence inside. He's always a force down there. And then I felt like Jared Hansen as well. Uh, at one point, the Duyez boys got a double tactical assist against themselves. Uh, and he came in and stepped up, stepped up and knocked down four free, four free throws, which was big. Um, so I felt like those two players really carried that uh, first first half for the halfway crooks. Yeah, and so you know we touched on that and Hanson. You know we looked at his box score uh, a second you know a second ago his stat line, but four for thirteen. And I saw that after, and I was a little surprised, and I was there, you know, playing. I'll put that in quotes, but um, I, it didn't feel like four for 13, right? You know, big, you know, I think he had three three-pointers, right, of his four field goals, and kind of you see in those highlights as well, like clutchly timed three-pointers um, by Jared Hansen, kind of like what he does. And, again, Jeff Winchell was huge. We can go to Tim, even just looking at the box score. You know, I like focusing on the games when they're close, and then we're going to kind of go through all the games like we always do. But we can go over to Tim. Um, you know, Duye's boys, you know, Volpe and Kutu, and I'll, I'll spit it out there. Six made threes for Volpe kept the Duye's boys in it a lot of times. And not that they were ever, you know, in danger of, you know, not, um, 
being in the game. Um, but, you know, Tim, looking at that box score, I mean, those two really carried the way clearly, right, over 20 points each. You know, what do you see from that about the Duyez boys and how they were able to get this win and battle in that fourth quarter? Um, yeah, so for that, I would say the whole season, we pretty much seen what we're going to get from John Kutu. He's going to put up his numbers. He's going to facilitate. He's going to score. For the success of the Duhay boys going forward, I'd say basically their supporting cast, um, along with Vincent Volpe, Brian Yarse. If they're giving uh, Kutu shooters to kick out to, uh, that really opens up the floor for him to potentially drive, uh, open up other opportunities for his teammates on cuts. Um, honestly, yeah, but if, if Duye shoots the ball like that, it's going to be really hard to defend them with Kutu with the ball in his hands. Yeah, and so let me switch screens really here, you know, real quick. But, you know, the Duye's boys, again, shot 40% from the field and just about 30% from three, but Yarsi with two big threes, Volpe with six, like I talked about, you know, compared to the halfway crook shooting, nearly identical. And that kind of talks about this game, right, in a nutshell. I mean, 40% from the floor and 30.4% from three for the crook. So, um, you know, a lot of, uh, and I, I mean, let's, let's get to it really quick. I mean, the free throws, you know, six for 11 for the Duyez boys, six for 16 for the crooks. When you talk about losing a game by two, Right. I didn't even realize that. till right now I'm looking at it. You know, when you when you lose a game, you know, by two and you miss 10 free throws. Um, there you go. Right. And that that is a huge momentum swing as well. Um, so, again, Duyez boys improved to three and oh, halfway crooks fall to two and one. But again, a battle and, a, and a, hopefully a game we get to see again. And that's not even me being biased like that. It, th these are the matchups that we want in the playoffs. That's for sure. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, again, Duyez boys, one of two remaining undefeated teams. We're going to get to the other one in a second, um, but let's jump over. Let me pull up the schedule really quick to the werewolves and the Lincoln 18ers. And so, you know, it's a seven point win for the werewolves, uh, 71, 64, but they were up, you know, more than that. Every time I looked over throughout most of the second half, we'll get to Tim here on that one. I mean, the werewolves again, let's, you know, four guys. Okay. So that always plays a factor. No subs. All right. So, you know, I'm sure they got a little tired and Brian Heston admitted it in his interview after the game, but to kind of let almost slip, let that game slip away is uncharacteristic for the werewolves. You know, what did they do throughout that game? You know, I, I hate doing the same question, but how are they able to build that lead? Right. I mean, the Lincoln 18ers are 0-3 um, after losing that game and, and have made some plays where, you know, they're, they're starting to get it right. The werewolves have gotten it for many seasons now. Right. So what did they do even with four guys in the werewolves, Tim, that allowed them to, you know, get that lead and, and, uh, you know, battle through some of the fatigue I'm sure they were facing. Um, yes. But so for this game, for sure, it's a tale of two halves, um, werewolves, they were clinging to a tight lead at halftime. Their second half adjustments were great. Um, Lincoln really struggled taking the ball to the rim, taking the ball to the basket, and they didn't shoot well from three. So when that's not really going well for them, Heston really made a big impact. Probably one of the best defensive games I've seen. I think he had uh, six steals, seven blocks, something like that. He pretty much was affecting shots around the rim the entire night. And basically, when once once that happened, they were getting out in transition. Once you get out in transition, just easy buckets. And it kind of demoralizes a team like Lincoln that really fought hard in the first half. But they were really moving the ball well. I like how Lincoln plays. They really play as a team. They drive, they kick, they shoot. I don't anticipate Ethan Clotier to shoot that 
poorly again. So I think better days are ahead for Lincoln. Yeah. And you touched on it. I was going to kick it back to you, um, you know, to kind of touch on the Lincoln 18ers, but Heston stat line, 31 points, three threes, 14 rebounds, eight assists, six blocks, seven steals. So, I mean, again, he never comes, he, he didn't come out of this game. They didn't have any subs and he won't sub out a lot in a big game anyway. So that's not a reason he was doing all these things on the court kind of does that stuff anyway, right? Gino 40, 26, Jared Gansert with 12 and Connor Harrington only with two, which is a little shocking because he's the big man that they were missing. If we go back a week when they played Sin City, right? And so Connor Harrington definitely impacted some shots. I mean, eight rebounds and only a block, but I, I, I know how long he is uh, and impact shots down low, kind of focusing on the Lincoln 18ers. I mean, they're 0-3. Uh, Tim, we can go a little more briefly. You mentioned Ethan, you know, Cloutier, who, what, 0 for 11, right? Is that, is that what it says in there? So, um, you know, what were the Lincoln 18ers doing well and what can they build on, uh, you know, when they get ready for next week? Um, I mean, Lincoln did a lot well in the first half. I thought this game was going to potentially go down to the wire, but just third quarter, their offense only scoring eight points. So it just, that's not really going to cut it. But what they did well is really uh, move the ball. I mean, this team moves the ball as well as anybody in the league. It seems like they all love playing with each other. They have a lot of good chemistry. And Ryan Muskie was getting easy cut dunks a lot of the time. There were a lot of wide open shots created. I uh, could have been a little fatigued based on werewolves, leaving them open sometimes. But, hey, I mean, that's that's what you got to do. Uh, get them tired, move the ball, get them in rotation, make the defense rotate. And, yeah, I think that formula uh, definitely could face for an improvement going forward for them. Yeah, and so I just checked Lincoln 18ers uh, play bogey kicks next week. So our two winless teams, two of our three winless teams, excuse me, we're going to get to the other winless team right now in the Ozone Boys, which – Definitely more shocking. Uh, you know, the, the other two are just new teams, and this happens when you're a new team in a league and you run into some of the better teams. But um, next week, bogey kicks and the Lincoln 18ers. So there we go. So hopefully they can put some of this together, right, against uh, bogey kicks, and we're going to get to bogey kicks week three game in a second. Let's get to our other close-ish game, and I'm going to get to Ryan on this like we talked about before we went on the air. Rhode Island Warriors beat the Ozone Boys, both teams 0-2 coming in. 81-75 for the Warriors. Like we said, Ryan, right? It was a it was a double digit game just about for the for the uh, Warriors. I would say through the first three plus quarters. I mean, I, I was surprised to see it finish a six point game. We know things can happen at the end of a basketball game, right? Hitting some shots, missing some free throws, and things like that can happen. But it was the Warriors in control without Kevin Figueroa, right? So, I, and I, I forget who I was talking to that was like, yeah, I kind of expected the Warriors to be up, um, you know double digits in the second quarter, let's say. And I was like, oh, I, I don't know. I mean, the Ozone boys play small, but without Kevin Figueredo for the Warriors, who is their big man, right? They're, he's big. <laughs> he's definitely big. Um, but, you know, without him, it's like, all right, you know, this, this should be even a better game than we expected. Uh, and it was the Warriors jumping out big. So, Ryan, you know, what did the, what the Warriors do? And, and I know, you know, Gian, we, I got clarification on his name, so that's how we're doing it. Uh, he's like, I don't care what you call me, but it is Gian. So, you know, he, he had, a, had a good night. He had some poster dunks. But, I mean, as a team, they definitely shot it better than what I remember. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that uh, helped them get that lead. But what do you say? Yeah, I mean, Gian definitely uh, is a huge factor in how well that team, how the Warriors go. And I think, like, just looking at the box score, like, you could see that even though the um, 
like the Warriors had six turnovers and the Ozone Boys had eight turnovers. Those eight for the Ozone Boys seemed a lot more significant because the Warriors then were able to get in transition. That led to Gian being able to get those highlight dunks and easy baskets. Whereas when the Ozone Boys turned turned over the Warriors, it wasn't like they were getting in the transition and the Warriors were able to get back and set up a defense. So I felt like that was uh, that played a key part. And then I mean, in that I think it was the like mid third quarter, maybe early fourth quarter. Gian went on a stretch there where he just it seemed like he was. He just made everything, and he and he had like eight, ten points in a row that really just kept the, that spacing in between the Warriors and the Ozone Boys, and ultimately was the key part of the difference at the end. Yeah, there's two different types of uh, turnovers, right? Like some of them that lead to buckets, which is what Lob City does so well, which is what the Duyes Boys did against the Halfway Crooks, right? They're getting whether it's it doesn't even necessarily have to be a steal if it's a long rebound, it acts like a steal in some cases, right? And those teams know how to turn that into two points quickly <laughs> and easily and efficiently. And it's a dunk, it's a lob and you blink. And that's what happened with the halfway crooks not to go back. You blink and the lead is gone because it's like steal, long rebound, two misses and whatever. And so, you know, kind of same thing for the Warriors, right? They're, they're, that's their, their game. That, that was what they focused on. And that's what they did against the Ozone Boys. The Ozone Boys battle back though, Ryan. So we'll toss it back quickly. I mean, Patrick Hogan's 23 points, you know, 53, let's forget the free throw, sorry, 13% from three for the Ozone Boys. And we talked about them being a smaller team, right? So if you're going to go that route, which is kind of just how their personnel falls, you better make some shots to make up for it. Uh, 13% from three for them, 25% from three for the Warriors, but the Warriors made nine to the Ozone Boys, three, three-pointers. And so, you know, let's, you can quickly kind of touch on the Ozone Boys this way. What did they do to get back? Or how, how did they hang around? And what are they going to do next week to kind of get that first win? Yeah, so I think to get themselves back into the game, it was it was a big part of, um, like, they do, they run, what is that, eight guys, seven, eight guys. So they do, so it was instead of, um, you know, just doing those platoon every couple minutes, it was keeping people out, out on the floor longer for longer stretches and being able to have your best players on the floor and those and them being able to uh, be a unit and it, and I mean, it looking at like the uh, box score in terms of like how much, what quarters they won, like they won three of the four quarters. So it, something, especially in that second half worked. And so I think to be able to get that win is that keep or continuing to uh, figure out like what, uh, what four work out on the floor at the same time and be able to uh, continue like their success from the second half. And I think they'll eventually get that first win because I know that seeing as they do run seven or eight deep, they're pr- they're going to be pretty good. Yeah, and so we talked about it. The Ozone Boys fall to 0-3. Rhode Island Warriors get their first win. They'll take on the halfway crooks next week. The Ozone Boys get only the fam, and only the fam was 2-0, another one of those 2-0 teams. They fall to Lob City this week. That's called a transition, guys. Take notes. That's how you transition here. Only the fam loses in week three to Lob City. 118-87 in another battle of 2-0 teams, uh, only the fan in Lob City. And so we'll go to that game uh, over on court three. Uh, and so, I mean, yeah, you know, 23-21 after the first quarter, even I, I know I'm reading stats here, but a two-point game after one quarter maybe had some people surprised. And then if I do math quickly, that's a 26-point lead at halftime, right? So um, <laughs> that's how quickly things change. I mean, we can focus on the, uh, you know, the second quarter, which I'm sure – is when that run came, uh, Tim. But, you know, Lob City, you know, impressed and uh, took care of business. 
and uh, they are the other three and O team. So kind of I, I, as I would have guessed, as a lot of people would have bet, Lob City and the Duyes boys are three and O through three games. How did Lob City get that third win? Um, well, yeah, so about about that first quarter, Jose <laughs> didn't start the game. So once he came in, the, the whole entire game kind of changed. Uh, nobody really can jump with Jose. And once Jose Mercado gets out in transition, it's pretty much it demoralizes the other team. And you're just seeing him throw down windmills and all these crazy dunks while you're just just can stand there and watch a half court. I mean, there's not much you could do, but I mean, there are a lot of other people contributing for Lob City. They are, have really good depth on this team, and that's what makes them so hard to beat. There's not really anyone on this team that can't play. I mean, uh, they just have too much size. Uh, only the fam, Jaron and Jake Perry, they really were no match for Lob City's bigs this game defensively. Uh, Colin Burns, Nuri, Mahmood had big nights down low. Um, yeah, I mean, Jaron, he did it. He did his thing for sure. Scoring wise, but same thing with Tucker Ayala a very impressive shooting night, but it, it just never ended up mattering because, you know, when Lob City turns you over, Corey Crawford's got the ball. It's, uh, there's not much you can do with those guys. Yeah. And so we can talk about Lob City, which I'm sure we will, when we get to some of our questions, you know, after we preview, uh, week four and uh, make our locks of the, uh, of the game. But yeah, so a huge second quarter, and then it's kind of just coasting from there for Lob City, which is kind of how it usually goes. Jaron Thomas with 36, Tucker Aiello with 28 for only the fam, as you guys still see the box scores there. Five players with, yeah, five players with 14 points or more for Lob City. And so there you go, right? That balance, they only had six guys. I know Carl, you know, Lee is there. He checked in and kind of messed around for a minute, but really six guys, they're missing Dub and Greg Holt. So again, you know, add in two more guys, right, to that uh, ability to kind of have that depth and, and continue to rotate for Lob City. So next week, in a rematch of one of the season's finals, Lob City will take on the Werewolves, uh, who are two and one, right? Werewolves two and one, I believe so. Cool. Head nods. I can check. I have stats in front of me. Uh, yep. Werewolves two and one. Uh, awesome. So. Two and one, three and zero. Oh next week will be a good game again. A finals rematch, like I talked about, and only the fam, as we previously talked about, gets ready for the Ozone Boys, and that's going to tell us a lot about only the fam. And I'm excited for that, right? So that, like we talked about, Ozone doesn't have a ton of size. Tim just got done saying only the fam, right? Didn't have enough size to match up with Lob City, and not many teams do. And so those two teams are going to go at it, and uh, it'll be it'll be some high flying dunks and some good basketball. That's for sure. You know, some some guard play, how the NBA wants it to be, right? No no post moves in that game, that's for sure. Uh, we will get to our last game of the night. Bogey kicks and Sin City, and Sin City wins by 27. Uh, so, so much for, you know, like I talked about in the, uh, in the open, you know, we got bogey kicks over there, you know, hashtag run the table. I'm, I'm getting a T-shirt made. I think it's hilarious. Uh, they couldn't even go 24 hours without uh, <laughs> being unable to complete that, uh, that hashtag there, but that's right. It happens. You know, this is what happens when you talk shit on social media. I just choose not to do it because then it's there forever. Right. And you just get made fun of on post-game shows. Uh, Sin City wins 90 to 63. And you guys both saw this game. So we'll let you guys both jump in on this. Sin City improves to two and one. So I'll say it. I'm happy the halfway crooks played Sin City when we did, because I don't want to play him now. 
That's for damn sure. Um, they're starting to figure some stuff out, and I'll let you guys break them down. Bogey kicks again had their moments, but just too much for Sin City, too much size. Here, here we go again, right? Going back to the size. Ryan, we'll go to you first because Tim just talked. Um, Sin City, you know, that size and, and uh, Devin Pina, right? Uh, again, you know, two, three weeks in a row, I'm sure, but two weeks really making a statement and putting his imprint on the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Devin was a huge factor in this game. I mean, when you shoot 15 to 20, you shoot 29 shots in the game, like that's already a large and then a large number. And then you make 15 of them. That's pretty significant. And then adding in the five threes he made, and I think probably three or four of them were in that fourth or in the third quarter when it just seemed like every time he's, he got the ball behind the three point arc, it was just an automatic basket. And he said that in the, uh, in the interview after the game, he talked about how, how good it felt to uh, make a bunch of those threes. Um, so I think, and like we were talking about with size, I mean, they also have Javon Morris. Now I know he didn't have, he did shoot six or seven from the field, but, and he's a, he's definitely a presence on the defensive end of the floor along with Taj. So I think they're a bit with their size and along with uh, Taj's ability to guard some of the guards in the, in the league, um, they, they do match up well with teams and they do have the ability to turn you over and get those easy baskets with that size. Yeah. And so Tim, I mean, bogey kicks, it's not total, you know, shit on bogey kicks post game show. Right. I mean, Oh, and three, and they're going to have their matchup next week. Like we talked about right against Lincoln 18 or so we'll get to really see what the team has, but you know, David DePina 25, Matt Bogossian 13 um, shots are falling eight for 47 from three. You know, that's not what we're looking for from three. That's a, that's a, you know, 17%. Right. Uh, but Tim, I mean, bogey kicks and, you know, how were they able to keep it close and what can they, what can they build on? Um, well, how would they were able to keep it close? I mean, it was <laughs> effort at the Pina. Um, the thing is, uh, I think a lot of teams should take a look into how they guarded the Pina this game. They played him pretty much the free throw line. He, they let him shoot. And I think he may have started over 10, at least he made a couple in the second half, but I think teams are going to live with that. I mean, Depina is a guy that's explosive athlete. He gets to the basket. I mean, they're going to live with him shooting if he's shooting like this. Um, I just think with bogey kicks, they it comes down they have to shoot the ball better. I mean, that's their game. Um, they're going to drive. They're going to kick. And 17% is just not going to cut it, especially when you can't really compete size-wise and on the boards. Uh, yeah, they're just, they're just going to have to shoot better, simply. Yeah, three for uh, 18 for uh, Depina, right? from three. So, um, yep. Teams will live with that 17% from the three point line. Uh, Tim, we'll let you get Sin City, uh, you know, a, a word in on them because they definitely deserve it. Right. Two and one, like we talked about again, I don't want to play them now. So I'm happy we don't, uh, as in the halfway crooks, but next week they get to do yes boys. So that'll be an awesome test for them. I think another, you know, good test for the do yes boys who we saw this week, right. Shane was unable to play <laughs> for the second half. But that allowed them to go small in the Duyez boys. And as we kind of, I want to look towards week four a little bit here, guys. So, you know, like I said, Duyez boys, Sin City. The Duyez boys had a lot of success in week three going with that four-guard lineup of, you know, Yarsi, Kutu, Tartaglia, and Volpe, right? And Volpe held his own down low. And, you know, shout out to him for battling with Jeff Winchell, who we, you know, we, we, we talked about that game already. So now we take that into week four. Sin City has big bodies, right? Like we talked about. They got their big guys hitting threes. And Duyez boys' best lineup is for smaller guys. They can defend everybody. Okay. The Duyez boys four can figure out how to defend probably any lineup they're going to see. 
but they're not the biggest, right? So Tim, you know, what do you see in that matchup? I mean, Sin City's size versus Duye's boys, they have some size, but Duye's boys strength in, in their, their guards. Yeah, I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup. It's going to be very interesting to see how Shane Patrick matches up against uh, the size of these bigs like Javon Morris and Devin Pena. He hasn't really faced anyone like that yet, so it's going to be interesting to see if he can neutralize them in any kind of way because Sin City's whole kind of game goes through Devin, and Javon is obviously an imposing force as well. I think it all comes down to in this matchup is how Taj Eddington is able to limit John Kutu offensively. He definitely has looked great on the defensive end so far. So everything goes through Kutu, obviously, for Duye's boys. So that's the matchup I'm looking for in that game. Awesome. And so, you know, we're going to do it. We're going to go. You guys are killing it. So we're going to take the extra time here. Let's go through each of these week four matchups. Ryan, I will give you Ozone boys and only the fam. So we talked about them briefly with these two teams. So only the fam, two and one, Ozone boys, oh, and three. And again, I think it's going to be a great game, not indicative of the records necessarily of how these teams play. What are you looking for in that game? Like we talked about. So we, we, we just got done. Sorry. We just got done finishing size for Sin City and we go to Ozone and only the fam, right? Where we're like, no size, no post-ups. You post up, you're out. Damn it. Shoot the ball. And so what do you see from those two teams? Only the fam getting ready to take on the Ozone boys. Yeah, I think this is going to be a real test for only the fam. And that is the two and one record legit is like that is that and then it will be also it shows it will show the ozone boys who are 0 three but they've played three i think pretty solid teams so it's now can they can they, against a team that is again have a better record may not be as talented as them can they finally get that first win and then um in terms of like it's it may ultimately just come down to who knocks down more threes <laughs> seeing as nobody really works in the post or down low nobody has big guys to bang down low so i just think it, it, if um, if only the fam shoots pretty well, they'll win. If Ozone Boys with their, if they can figure out their seven or eight with the seven and eight guys, how they um, how they rotate them in and how they sub, I think they'll, I think they might have a good chance. Cool, and we're gonna have you guys make picks on one of the games. So you're gonna do your like bet the house. Tim, Tim remembers. Tim, who'd you pick last week? Is, is your house still bettable? Do you still own a house? I took Sin City, so I do still have a house. Okay, he still has a house to bet. Ryan, Ryan, you do as well. Aiden said after the game, he does as well. So good, everyone's house is intact. Um, we will uh, like lock of the week deal. We'll 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 get there in a second. I know. Uh, let's go to Tim, so you can talk about the halfway crooks. Here's your chance to you know suck up. Uh, halfway crooks take on the Rhode Island Warriors next week. Um, Rhode Island Warriors two and one and two. They got their first win. Halfway crooks two and one. Um, these teams played last season. I will look up what happened. I don't remember to be not even, I'm not even trying to be a douchebag. I don't, I, I don't remember. Um, but looking at this season's matchup, Tim, um, not even who do you, who do you got, but what's going to be a key? Like what's the, what's, you know, if is it three point shooting, whoever makes more threes, right. Or, you know, rebounding, right. Whoever gets more rebounds is more likely to win. Like, what do you think is the key to that matchup? Oh, uh, yeah. So I haven't seen really Rhode Island Warriors this year, but I know they have Kevin Figueredo as a big and he did play pretty well last game, seven threes. So um, I think the matchup between him and Winchell is definitely going to be one to watch. Um, both of them have made big impacts for their team so far. Um, for halfway crooks, um, 
I want to see a game where Spence Freeman takes over, goes for like 40 or something. I feel like he's definitely got it in him. So um, I think it will definitely be a good matchup, though. Cool. All right. Next one. This is perfect. We'll save Werewolves and Lob City. We can. That'll be a big one. So, Ryan, that leaves you, Bogey Kicks, and Lincoln 18ers. And so we talked a little bit about it, right? Bogey Kicks coming off some tough opponents. Lincoln 18ers trying to make it close against the Werewolves. Um, they played only the fam, I believe, as well. Lincoln 18ers did. Could be wrong. Uh, either way, both teams 0-3. Ryan, your key for that one. Yeah, I think uh, definitely for the Lincoln 18ers, make sure Ethan uh, Cloutier doesn't go over 11. Uh, I think that's a, I think that will be a big part in if uh, they can get the first win of the year. And then, um, I mean, and then last week against the Wolves, they did have balanced scoring. They had four guys go double digits. So, Cloutier with the did go over 11, but if he can give them a couple more points there, maybe they could have got them over the line against Werewolves, and that could get them over the line against Bogey Kicks. And then for Bogey Kicks, I think um, being able, like, just be there for the Pina and support him, and then uh, along with, like, um, other guys that uh, are out there and can shoot the three especially, I think that could be a uh, could play a role as well. Awesome. Is anybody going to pick their lock of the week? On Werewolves Lob City or no? Head nods quickly. Probably not. No, no problem. Okay, cool. So we can let even if both of you guys want to jump in, but the last game we'll go over, then we'll make some picks and get out. Werewolves and Lob City. And so Werewolves 2 and 1, Lob City 3 and 0. Oh, again, a finals rematch, a double overtime finals rematch. We will talk a lot about that game. Um, I'll give you the rundown quickly. I mean, Lob City was up, Werewolves stormed back to force overtime. Heston got fouled at the end of regulation, down three hit all three free throws with time expired. So if he misses one, they lose, and the game is just over. He makes all three. They go into overtime, and again, it's a two-minute overtime. We haven't seen one yet this season, but it's, like, so quick, right? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they Heston actually and the Werewolves, it, it, overtimes are always, most of the time close just because it's so short. Um, Heston had a shot to win it in a tied game in the first overtime, and they had the ball at the end, and they took the last shot. Um, missed. It was a runner. And, you know, you, you guys know Lob City by now. They're going to defend, you know, in that situation, they're defending their butts off. And then in double overtime, um, Greg Holt hit some big shots and Lob City just made a couple more plays and was able to win the championship in double overtime. Uh, we'll go to Tim. We'll, we'll just keep rotating. It's right. Then Ryan gets to make his lock of the week first. But Tim, key for Lob City and the Werewolves, besides having more than four guys show up for the Werewolves. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's definitely uh, – I would say, like, who's going to show up for the Werewolves? They had Sam Clifford uh, the other week, had a big game. I think they would really use a player like that against Lob City. They're going to need everyone they can get, especially with how Lob plays in transition. Um, you're going to need bodies, definitely. Um, I just think – I'm interested to see how Lob defends Brian Heston, if they're going to force the ball out of his hands, if they're going to double him. Um, that's going to be interesting to see. Um, also the big, um, on werewolves, Harrington, yep. I mean, to see how he matches up with Lob City size, obviously Lob City's imposing up front. They have a bunch of guys that can back you down, uh, pass out pretty much. Yeah. They have a bunch of bigs that are very versatile. So, yeah. Cool. All right. As promised, here we go. Brian, you're betting the house. Don't be wrong or you're going to be homeless week four, who you got. We just yeah, went through all the matchups. Which team do you think has the best chance to win their week four matchup and why? Uh, I'm going to take the Ozone boys to be only the fam. Wow. Uh, I think 
<laughs> I think they I think they're due for a win. I think they've played some tough uh matchups so far. And I think I think they're even though I know they've played in the past, I think now with the uh seven, eight guys that they have, I think they're gonna be able to uh, you know, show up and, and be motivated and be able to get the first one of the year. I think that that's gonna be a key factor for them. So right, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take Ozone Boys. All right. So Ozone Boys first lock, Tim. Again, don't lose the house. Who you got? All right, um, I'm also going to go with a little bit of a – not a heavy favorite. Um, two 0-3 teams. I'm going with Lincoln 18 <laughs> Take down bogey kicks. Um, I just think the Lincoln 18ers play as a team. Bogey kicks, they're more of an individual type of player type of thing. Um, and I think the way Lincoln plays, it's going to be hard for bogey to guard, and I think they'll win. All right. I, I like it. I don't, it, it is a good week of games in the sense of, I don't think there's that one matchup that is kind of the easy, you know, this team's going to win. Right. And that'll happen when Lob City plays certain teams. Like it's it just expected. Right. I think there's a lot of matchups here where, yeah, no, no result would surprise me, a, you know, a ton, which means it's, it's a good week. So we'll see if you guys still have houses. Um, I'll be promoting your lock. So hopefully you guys get some crap on social media. Um, that's it for the post game show. Good job, guys. I got a text from Gino 40 asking about the post game show, which is what we're on right now. Uh, and then also said the podcast was great. And so if you haven't heard it yet, the low post podcast uh, is back for the season, PJ Thomas and Dan Ruggiero. So Dan Ruggiero is a retired Duye's boy uh, who may be making a comeback this season and PJ Thomas, a current Duye boy who, who claims to be retiring after this season. Again, guys, they all claim this. The Ozone boys claim to be retiring from the league. They played. Okay. They played last night. Okay. So no one actually ever retires. Shane Patrick as well. He, yeah, they'll never retire. I got him forever. Uh, but those two do in the low post podcast and uh, yeah, they killed it. They had some historical stuff and I forget who I was talking to. You guys will get there, Tim and Ryan. And again, very good job on the post game show. It's like cheating for them because they've lived the history part right? They've played in the league more than just this season. So they lived it. They have that background knowledge of who was on what team, what happened three years ago in week seven. Like they remember that because they, they were there. Right. So, um, but that's what kind of adds that. And it's cool. And it's, and it was a good listen. So um, again, it's on Apple podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, wherever you get your podcast, a little post, they'll be back this week, uh, recapping week three, breaking down week four, just like we did. And uh, yeah, guys, we'll see you guys for week four on Monday night. Good job. And uh, everybody, thanks for listening.